Danny. How's it going? You know what? Uh, you just reminded me of something. My wife and I sometimes uh, flirt with each other in a really creepy way, now that I'm about to say it, on uh, on a podcast, which is, I don't know if you ever watch Phineas and Ferb. Uh, a little bit here and there, well, yes. One of the greatest, one of the greatest cartoons made for our children that, that adults and parents really enjoy. Just phenomenal, phenomenal humor, you know, subtle and intelligent. And uh, so Phineas and Ferb, highly recommend the cartoon. Uh, but but the girl that's in love with Phineas, I'm I'm my wife's Phineas. She every time she walks onto the show, her first thing she says on the show is, "What you doing?" Like that. So sometimes I'll uh, when I call my wife, she goes, "What you doing?" And now that I say it out loud, I mean they're like they're like thirteen year olds. So that's really creepy. Actually, I, we should think about that. We should, we should think about it. <laughs> I mean, or we could just keep making it as creepy as humanly possible. Right. I think what you should do and. You you asked me earlier what was what was the question like what would it sound like if if you and I our voices combined into a human being like what had would that sound like right. had a baby a, a love child a voice love a, child a voice love child and it'd be the most harmonious beautiful tones it, you would just fall in love with us I mean we'd get so many more no, subscribers I feel like you have I feel like you have a voice for for radio and you're also incredibly good looking so that wasn't a backhanded compliment like you're not True. a i'm not saying you have a you have the face for radio i'm saying you have a voice for radio you have one of those smooth slightly kind of salty voices like as if you're about to go serenade somebody with a really hot steamy jazz session this i've got a little bit live. of a, right i've got a little bit of a congested voice like i don't know <laughs> that i'm the best voice for radio to be honest it's like this is live at ninety two point five FM <laughs> right, Chess Radio K Y O T. Oh, I you know I love I love a good jazz and I love a right. good like you're up at midnight and you tune into a jazz station and it's all like that just all night like you've been right. tuning in we gotta keep it rolling here and you're just like <laughs> oh I just want to be I want to be in that studio I want right. to I don't know. Like what's something actually happened. happening off the mic? Like something really inappropriate is happening in that studio off of the mic. <laughs> that's Accurate. That's the truth. Accurate. Um, um, something anyway, happened this ahead. week. We, we got a very busy show. This is going to be an epic show. So go ahead. Start us off. I'll, something happened this week. I don't even want to get into our lives just yet because we had our first ever listener feedback. I mean, besides Twitter and all that jazz. But ENG, right. he emailed into the show and he sent us this amazing article first. Thanks, Ian, for sending us in. You can go to blunders.fm to uh, email us and communicate directly with us uh, in any way, just not only on Twitter, but via email. It says, hey, we've been listening to the podcast for a few weeks. Love it. Thank you very much. Loves the blend of tech, coffee, chess, all of it together. He's always interested to learn more why chess matters. He sent us this article, though, that he stumbled upon, uh, uh, this kid. It's called um, Preventing Hasty Chess Moves with a guillotine um, on the chess table. He goes, what do you think of this? And it's this uh, sophomore industrial designer at uh, Philadelphia University. And it's in the show notes. But essentially, think of you have your chess pieces and there's a base. All the bases are basically the same, Mm -hmm. but he made it so all of the heads can be chopped off with this micro guillotine that sits on the end of the chess table. Honestly, Mots, this is, (laughs) and I, you know, we know I'm, I get kind of excited sometimes. I'm kind of a passionate guy. I have been known to exaggerate, but in this case, I am like, like totally legit. 
this is the greatest thing I've seen in in months. Uh, for I mean, I don't even know. This might be the best invention for chess ever. I don't know why this hasn't been used on my shows yet. I am currently looking into ordering this chess set. Uh, so again, like ENG, this is, this is so awesome. Seriously, everybody, you have to click on this link in the show notes and check it out. Uh, nothing, nothing is better than that. I mean, if we could somehow translate this to real life, like if I could get a, a fat head, I use these props in my shows, like big fat heads of Nakamura or Magnus Carlsen, the great chess players. And I, I sometimes have little fun conversations where they sort of talk trash to each other. It's weird, but you get it. Uh, the point is if I could, if I could somehow chop off Magnus's head or Ricardo's <laughs> head after like a bad move and, oh, Okay, like, you know, just for play, but uh, use a guillotine prop in my shows. I mean, my brain is basically spinning right now with opportunities to now incorporate a guillotine into every chess show. So thank you, ENG. Awesome stuff. <laughs> Seriously, this is I so cool. It. Well, because it's like you're making a personal connection with this little pawn. Like, that poor little pawn is like head gets chopped up. You're like, no! Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Oh, my God. It's, just, uh, it's, like, it, it's, it's so funny if we had like a like you know somebody did a voiceover for all the pieces as they sort of like walked oh to the guillotine. God. Like some of them have like you know a braveheart Scottish act. Like I love her, always have right. And he's like going to get his head chopped off. And other guys, you know, maybe they're they're really stubborn and they're fighting it. Like there's no pride there. They're just really angry that they were sacrificed. It's just awesome. <laughs> I want little microphones, uh, little speakers inside of all of them, right? So as 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 the head disconnects, or like as it's it knows it's in the guillotine. It's just like it's just speaking back at you, like how could you have done this? You right. know, just like makes you feel even more guilty. Right. No, but some of them will be martyrs. And anyway, just yeah. so anyway, check out check out the link, everybody. Just thank you, ENG, again. And if you do sign up for a membership on Chess.com, hit me up. I'll give you a uh, give you a premium membership for that uh, for that awesome share. But Matsi, we got a busy show even beyond that. So what's new mm-hmm. in your world? Oh, busy, busy. I have just one thing to be talking about, which I am back into the home roasting of coffee yeah you heard me right i am roasting my own beans and what is that process like for you i mean how, how is that is it is it a spiritual process i mean are you what is what is going on in your in your world when that's happening so we talked a lot about yuffie and that's my robovac and right, how yeah. uh, relaxing that is and it takes that relaxation and zen to a whole other level so heather got me this fresh roast it's, it's in the show notes sr 500 it is a it's almost like an electrical popcorn popper in a way, but but made specifically for roasting your green coffee beans and turning them into to just the most delicious cup of, of coffee that you have now handcrafted because you have gone through the process of roasting and turning these into delicious beans. Right. So it actually takes just six to eight or so minutes, basing on the type of bean and the roast. And you you adjust like the level. So you start on like high and then you adjust to low and then how, how, like, how much air is coming through. And you see all these little things popping up and the bean starts crackling and it's like singing to you. It's like, I'm here. I'm ready to, I'm like, I'm almost ready to be drank. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like this ceremony in a way of, it's like a coming of age for the coffee. It really is. And you, you see them transform in front of your eyes. It's, it's like a, it's like a child, but in six minutes it goes from infant to, to college. You know, this reminds me of, of my coffee story from last week, which, which I want to just tell first here because it, uh, you know, so we, we touched at the end of the show last week was mother's day. But one of the things that I Mm -hmm. did for my wife, because my wife is a mother and when you're married and, and your kids are little, you know, you're in charge of Mother's Day, right? They're not old enough yet to kind of handle that process themselves. So you involve them and you try to keep it cute. You know, maybe they draw a card and, you know, they draw something that looks really inappropriate, but to them, it just looks like you're holding hands, that kind of thing. Um, and 
But I woke up at like 5.30 and was trying to get this whole little like package set up for Shauna and um, the kids were still sleeping, but the kids were going to make breakfast. We're kind of, you know, we're doing it up. We're doing it up. Dad, dad for mm-hmm. mommy on Mother's Day, right? Adorable. But, but I, I, the confession that I have to make first is that my home coffee setup is is not near what it is over at Luke's. Obviously, you know Luke's setup; you have a visual of that. It's just brilliant, right? And mm-hmm. it, it's you, you get to you know it blooms in front of your eyes. It's not quite the coming of age tale you just told, but it's it's very similar that you're just sitting there, just so excited for the coffee as it as it. As it as the home as the home you know just uh it just like it just blooms up and you just get so excited and so I was sitting there setting up Shauna's thing and it's five thirty and this is how desperate I was and how frustrated I was with my own coffee setup what did I do I searched through my drawer and found my spare key I have to Luke's house for when you know they're out of town and I went over to Luke's house at like pre six a.m. And, and I go in the door and Miles the dog is there and Miles is such a he's such a lame excuse for a protective dog I mean he gives it's me amazing. a tiny growl you know an intruder's in their house at five thirty he gives me a tiny growl and he's like uh you know WTF what what am I even doing this for I'm just gonna go back to bed you know take whatever you want kind of thing. Um, and uh, so I go in the kitchen and I, I, uh, I make myself a cup of coffee and get out just like a bandit. Now, just to be clear, I mean, for people who think that is like, wow, Danny, you're breaking and entering, right? First of all, I had a key. <laughs> Second of all, we're we're beyond best friends, okay? I mean, like it's 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 really it's their family. Um, and literally, uh, they well, actually are family. <laughs> literally, they literally are family. And and so so I leave. I get out. I, I get my coffee and I leave. And I my day goes phenomenally and I don't even mention to them about it but at some point later in the day we're we're having kind of a little barbecue get together and they're over and and they didn't know exactly what happened and they start talking about the morning because Luke is convinced that Dinah got up early and made coffee and didn't tell him and didn't make it for him oh no Dinah is convinced that Luke had already made coffee because she woke up because of the smell of the coffee because the smell is so great and mm-hmm. the vents in their house, like so. Basically, I had created this whole little like coffee scandal in their house by you know by by going in and getting a cup of coffee. So I just I knew you would deeply appreciate that and uh, had to share it. So there you go. Oh, that's that. And and to be honest, though, I know that feeling because that's the best type of morning. Is sometimes I'll be on the weekend, and and sometimes I wake up before Heather. Or Heather wakes up before me, and you, we make each other we make each other coffee. And, it, and it's just an aroma that fills fills the room and, and like you're delighted. It's kind of like if someone's ever making uh, cinnamon buns. You know how cinnamon right. buns just like explode and it's like mm, right. so good. Now, here's here's the thing about this home roasting. May I add is that as you're roasting this coffee, you're doing I do it in the house, which means the entire hell house smells is soaked in coffee for like a whole day. So like right. when you make a cup of coffee, it lingers for a bit. But when you roast, the essence, like the oils are in the air and they just like seep in everywhere. You're not supposed to do it inside, but I do it anyways because Heather likes to smell and I like to smell. Who doesn't love just mm, coffee I would like smell? to be in that place. I would like you to can go come. to there. We can, we can do that. I, I, I have to say before we go on to this, this next thing, which I'm actually super interested in because I didn't – I don't know much about these, these things that you're about to talk about. Um, but I do have to say that we got to fix this um, Danny coffee situation. I'm going to fix that. Over time, and you're going to see an evolving, an evolving uh, Danny coffee situation, Um, and and we're gonna we're gonna make that part of the show. Well, you know, you know, I get excited when Moss gets excited, and I and I would I would I need to do that. I need to commit. It can't just be I need help from others, but I also need to make that that commitment and get off of my 
you know, it's a because it's a slippery slope. The moment you settle on on less than stellar, like mm-hmm. before you know it, you're back to making full pots and slamming coffee the way it wasn't meant to Ugh. be. You know, Gross. and then it's like, what are we? What is this all about? But to get get to the thing you talked about, what's new in Danny's world? Danny had to share his absolute frustration with any of the other dads out there, uh, dads or parents, dads and moms, everybody who's listening with these with these spinners. So I'm at the point where, so first of all, a spinner, you can check it out in the show notes. If you don't know what a fidget spinner is, then, you know, first of all, I envy you because you're living in some sort of either childless or, or video gameless world, because all these gamers and streamers have them on their shows and kids Ah. have them. And, and it's become, you know, more than just a pop culture phenomena. It's, it's a, it's, it's out of control and, you know, but there's cheap ones, there's knockoffs, there's there's crazy stuff. Then there's all the scare because if babies put them in their mouth, like there's little metal pieces. And so, uh, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm becoming that dad who like the only good spinner is a dead spinner. You know, <laughs> it's like the only good spinner. Like, you know, what's there was this hilarious video where this guy was like the best way to use 14 spinners, which is crazy because people have videos like spinning six or seven spinners at a time and they balance them on their hands. But this video is his dad like with 14 spinners and he throws them all in the trash (laughs) and i'm like that is like so abusively awesome and um so anyway i don't know if anybody else has this has this spinner phenomenon i actually have a spinner right here on my desk because one of my coworkers said danny you got to get this and then you got to spin it on your bullet brawls and so i'm Uh, I'm kind of spinning it with one hand right now just so i can be part of the cool you know we try to stay up on, on what the cool kids do and and I have no motivation to fidget with the spinner. Although, as I'm doing it right now, as I'm talking to you, it uh, what's going on? Is it broken? Time to throw no, it away. It, no, it's it's feeling good. It's feeling oh, inter- good. It's, so so I. It's interesting because I don't have I don't fidget. I mean, we all naturally fidget in a way, but I'm, I don't have any ADHD or anything like that. I've I've I uh, family members that that do, and they and they've. Like my cousin, he like flips a stick and, and he did this growing up. I don't think he does it anymore. He kind of grew out of right. everything. He has one of these, he probably has a spinner, right? And uh, so I got this thing on Kickstarter, which has been knocked off a thousand times now. And you're going to see him in your Walgreens or CVS. It's called a fidget cube. It's a little six dial cube that has like a click. It has a glide. It has a flip. It has a, a roll. It has, it has a spinner on it. Uh, and it's been knocked off a thousand times. Poor guys. But they raised tons of money on Kickstarter. And I got one. That's actually on my desk, and I, I just I don't find myself using it because I guess maybe I need to try it more. I, I don't yeah, know. I, I don't know that you – I mean, you don't have to. If you don't need it, you don't need it, right? You it's don't like, need it, right? It's one of those things where, you know, it's just like my kids are, like, trying to save up, and Nash wants to mm-hmm. buy the newest, coolest spinner. And, you know, I know does there were fidget? certainly fads. Does he fidget? Does he fidget, though? Like, does he, he, does he need it? He doesn't fidget when he's doing things, but then he'll sit there and play with it for 20 minutes, and you spin it, then oh. you put it on your pinky, and you try to hold it up. Like, it's a game to him, like but it's yo-yo. not something – yeah, exactly. It's not something he does – I'm pretty sure they're banned at his middle school anyway, um, oh. but uh, it's he's not a – no, he, he doesn't. He doesn't have those issues. He's there. But all my kids have pretty good focus skills, but um, or at least you know when they want to focus. Um, but uh, anyway, so there you go. But you know what? The, the big question that the my favorite segment, um, and uh, depending on our demographic, it's it's really fun. I think different people look forward to the chess and the technology. I look forward to the technology, so I'm always waiting to know why Mott says the technology is ruining our lives this week. So preach to us. Each and every week, technology seems to engross and, and encompass our entire lives. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. This week is actually a, a, a big positive. I was at Google I.O. or Google I.O. as I put it, which Google is Google's I. big developer. Google I.O. 
And uh, it was interesting. They, the keynotes were kind of a little bit uh, lackluster. There's a lot of AI stuff, which is interesting. But I'm an Android nerd. And uh, I will say that technology has had this big hindrance in many emerging markets. I'm talking markets of like uh, Africa or India or places where you can't really get data everywhere or data is really expensive. So there's there's Facebook and Google are trying to like, you know, float clouds and get, you know, Wi-Fi everywhere and things like that. But the right. problem still is is getting after you know getting the downloads stuff and getting things everywhere. So is that Googleio and Android was a big hot topic obviously and I'm a big Android developer and they're doing something that they failed upon multiple times which is trying to get into this market this emerging market to create cheap but powerful devices. And this is actually kind of cool because it'll actually relate to chess.com in a way too. Right. Uh they're releasing this brand new Android O which will come out later this year but Alongside of it, they're creating this lightweight version of Android called Android Go. And this is going to be a super slim, lightweight version that can run on like lower end one gig or or 512 megabyte RAM devices. And what's cool about this is that in these emerging markets or even when you're out and about in these where it's hard to get Wi-Fi, when you go and download apps, the app developers can create Go versions of their apps that are slimmer. Right. And they can have offline first. So they're going to create YouTube Go and uh, like Gmail Go and um, and on all these other things. So imagine, you know, right now you might have a chess.com app that is is fully like, loaded, know, right. fully loaded. But you have a Go version. So literally anyone can play chess no matter where you're at. So to me, this was interesting because this is an interesting part where where technology we're used to. We don't have to worry about this, right? In the U.S., usually we're like, yeah, we got these great devices; they're all super high end. Like it's going to run everything. But Android is eighty percent of the market, right? Like right. literally, it's everywhere, and in some places, it's a hundred, nearly a hundred percent that's out there. So this is really cool because I feel like we're getting into this huge another market of we're going to enable the next generation in other countries like come online. And I think there was even a study, I think, in Brazil, like every second, every second that passes, seven more Brazilians come online thanks to Android. And Android Go is like going to accelerate that. So to me, it's like interesting that it's it's this different type of story where like we're OK because we can buy these higher end devices. We can do this stuff. We have all this data and unlimited plans. But that's not the case. I was talking to my good like, friend, like, Scott. Yeah, it's just not. Yeah, it, it's not. He, I was he was go. He goes, you know, he's go. I was just over in Kenya and he goes, their entire data plan is one gig, right? Like that's all the data they get for like a whole month. And like that, right. that's all the, and that's a very, very expensive. So it's kind of cool to me that we're we're starting to break that point where like these operating systems are at this point that they're super good. And now we can actually take a step back and say, all right, we've made them huge and bloated. Let's take a step back and let's slim and cut this puppy down into a, right. uh, into a size that everyone can enjoy. So to me, this is a super a great advancement and hopefully it actually happens. They've tried to do this three times and they failed a whole okay. bunch of times. So uh, we'll see. Well, I didn't know that history, but you know, regardless of, of that, I think it, I think it does make sense. And it's, it's uh it's almost like, you know, at some point as the web grew and people realized that, you know, navigating a, a website and all that was there was really um, often confusing and left the user lost and not really reaching the core things you want them to. So this whole mindset of mobile first, right? You design your site mm-hmm. based on how somebody would access it. Like, you know, what is the 99% use case? And you go from there and you try to make things um, 
you know, much more accessible. This is kind of like the same mindset, slimming something down and cutting the fat and, uh, you know, having the realistic understanding of, of what the infrastructure is in different parts of the world. And it's not, it's, you know, not always what, you know, we're used to and our, uh, our very spoiled westernized civilization, right? Um, from that perspective, yeah. which is, and it's cool. I mean, obviously like, you know, those who are sort of leading innovators and, and trying to push forward. I'm always excited when technology is going, I mean, I think this is obviously, you know, there's a bottom line motivation here. And I think from Android's market plan, it makes sense that they want to be in all the markets of the world that, um, you know, not just not not even just that can't get like iPhones, but can't get the more expensive upper upper lines of of whatever the best Android and uh, platforms are, whether it's a Samsung or you know mm-hmm. something, right? So I think it makes sense from a bottom line perspective that they would infiltrate and kind of have a groundswell approach. But I, I think that you know the big thing that destroys innovation is incrementalization, right? When when mm-hmm. whenever we have a situation where we're currently offering A and we know we're capable of Z, but the question is not how to improve on Z, it's how many billions of dollars can we make on B, C, D, E, F, G everywhere yeah. along the way. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, capitalism is that's the part of the deal is people and so you end up getting the best minds going into the incrementalization aspect of capitalism not in the innovation aspect yeah. of of yeah. and so I like this because I think it it comes back a little bit. It is it is a bottom line thing, but it's also innovation. And I think you know the innovation that needs to happen is um, is something that will just get more and more of the world you know using technology. I think from a cultural and social level, the smarter people are, the more access they have to information that's outside of their comfort zone. This helps cultures expand and grow. So I, I love it. Oh, yeah. And I didn't mean to get too philosophical, but I really think that incrementalization is what is what will eventually kill the cat if we're not careful. And and innovation and and really bridging bridging societies with technology. This is the kind of thing that needs to happen. Yeah, and it was really great to see this you know huge company at their at their premier developer conference. They put it in their day one keynote and said, "This is a focus. Like this is a big initiative." There's tons of AI learning and all this other stuff. But they said, "Listen, we need to ensure that we bring everyone online. We want everyone to have access to this stuff, and we want you to be part of this, and we want you to bring all of the hard work you've done so we can get everyone this rich content." Because you're right. I mean, getting a getting a cell phone is like is going to be people's only computer that they ever have essentially right. for, for many years. Right. And, and that's something that is not really, you know, if to, to kids now that might be their only you know computer now too, but you know, it, it's kind of, to me when it, growing up, I was building computers, I was tinkering with computers. I always had a computer, I had laptops, I'm building supercomputers, I'm doing all this stuff. So to me, it's like almost, I can't fathom the idea that the only thing that you have is a super cheap phone. And that's your, your only source for, content information everything but that's a realistic scenario and it's you know phones should be more than facebook you know that they're they're right. a whole they're the supercomputer these my android phone is more powerful than i mean than like any computer i had growing up it's like it's crazy to think about right it's you know right. it's it's bananas um but i digress i digress and i was talking to nakamura the other day you were uh, just hanging just hanging out and we were drinking coffee, some of the uh, Mott's Coffee Co. that I was um, putting together. And he was he was indulging how he got into chess and and why he believes that uh, it, to this day it does matter. Um, and uh, I wanted to take I want to hear your spin on that, though. And does chess <laughs> matter? First of all, that was one of the better ones. Yeah, you were just hanging with Nakamura. Um 
that's, uh, you know, Hikaru would think that chess does matter because he's definitely part of the technology generation or kind of growing on uh, what we were just talking about. It, it's funny that I, I mentioned this, I think, in a previous show, just sort of casually offhand, but really there's a whole generation of grandmasters. We call them, you know, the, the internet generation, right? These guys that have played. I mean, if you think about the fact that he played like a million chess games, you know, mm-hmm. like like not like that's not even an exaggerated number. Right. Like it's insane to think about what people are able to do because of the different websites where people can just play chess. And again, it's because of technology that you get guys like Magnus Carlsen or, or grandmasters popping up in parts of the world that, as we said, if you didn't have the culture before, it just didn't happen. So Nakamura was kind of raised on the Internet. You know, he was raised by the Internet chess community. <laughs> it's funny. People yeah, always yeah. joke about that with him. Um but okay, so the big things going on, you know, what is going on? We, we've got these speed chess championships, which again, if people don't know what they are, they're they're the speed chess championships, right? They're they're it's a it's a whole series of events that all of the best players in the world are playing, uh, and it's something that we started last year under a previous name, the Grandmaster Blitz Battles. We kind of went mm. with speed chess championship, felt like it was a little more kind of it's descriptive. It's, yeah, it's, it's descriptive exactly what it does. <laughs> I mean, there's multiple reasons, right? I mean. Go, yeah, sorry. I mean, it's you would understand, right? So it's like obviously, but even believe it or not, one of the things that people forget who are in the chess world is that when people are looking for chess master videos, like they they say terms that you and I wouldn't, anybody in the chess world wouldn't think of. Like one of the most commonly searched yeah. terms on 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 YouTube is fast chess masters or speed chess masters or fast chess videos or like, you know, quick chess, fast chess, speed chess. These are terms people use uh, because blitz is actually a niche term, right? There's terminology that exists in all of our, and I think blitz is known these days more and more widely. It's a term used in the NFL. It's a term used in some sports. I think people understand what a blitz is, but, um, but overall, like we were sort of thinking, but grandmaster is not a term people know. So anyway, it's kind of funny. We just, we tried to expand different people that would instantly know what you were talking about. If you said the speed chess championship. So that was part of the rebranding motivation. Um, anyway, but it's awesome. So that's, what's going on. We've got two matches. Um, by the time people are hearing this podcast, they'll have happened here on chess.com, uh, more matches throughout the summer and it all, all's kind of building up. So that's where my focus is. Um, and it's, uh, and it's going to stay there along with other chess. I'm doing more and more chess shows than ever. I started the show Chess Today, Mots. Yeah. Which is, How's um, that going? How's that it's going? It's like a podcast webcast kind of thing where I just bring people. I basically just turn on the webcam and I log into chess.com and I make some make some moves in my games that I have going and kind of shoot the breeze with the members. And I've been really surprised that – I mean, it's not like our most popular thing, but people have dug it. It's like – it's uh, usually I think that – I kind of expect negative feedback most of the time, but most people are like, Hey, like this is kind of fun. And, and, uh, you know, when you get a little casual format, so, um, I've been doing that too, but anyway, that's why chess matters. Chess matters because the online chess world is growing. The speed chess championships are epic. Um, and we may, I don't want to speak too. we may have landed ourselves kind of a, a big name corporate sponsor for the remainder of this season. We actually already had several others lined up, but it was kind of, it was kind of smaller than we wanted. And at some point, this stuff started becoming so popular and we were getting advice from people that they really see chess as breaking into the esports genre. They were yeah. like, hey, don't don't settle for less. Like, let's. So now we've got, um, we may have a partnership coming. So you may see some some branding and some naming on, on some of the speed chess championship matches going forward. So, but I'll wait for that till later. Yeah. Can I ask you a question about this, actually? Because I'm, I'm interested how this comes about. So, so chess dot chess.com is putting on the speed chess championship. So now two questions and I'll let you answer them. One, 
is this an, like an officially sanctioned one where you can earn points? We talked about getting uh, rank. And then also, is this like, how do you guys do this? Is it, in, it it's not in person, obviously. So it's all through chess.com. And then is it live stream where you have people with the, the video? Like, how are people um, getting so this and can they watch it back? Yeah, uh, you know what? Let's leave a link to a, to a previous one in the show notes. We'll just give a highlight yeah. so people can kind of see how cool and interactive it is. It's it's actually like tons of people in the chess community have been like, wow, this is it's so mm-hmm. much fun to watch Magnus Carlsen and Hikaru Nakamura on webcam because you actually see emotional facial expressions that you don't see in tournaments. And in some ways, yeah. it's more personal. And um, so what it is, is that, you know, it's a host, me and me and a host, we're on webcam, and we're there as the as the host to analyze and to educate and to entertain as these, you know, studs of their of their arena are going at it. Um, and they're on webcam. Uh, hmm. we, we kind of joke and say it's partly for security purposes, so people can be watched. But you know, our cheat detection algorithms are, are way beyond the method. They're they're statistically based. And if somebody was cheating, in fact, last year in the Pro Chess League, we had a guy who was being monitored and oh. he was on webcam and we still banned him for cheating just for the record. Whoa, so crazy. Um, so that, that That's just awesome. shows that. It, so we kind of say that people like, you know, maybe the peace of mind that they can see each other. Hikaru and Magnus could look at each other if they wanted, uh, yeah. but they're basically just on camera for the entertainment purposes. So um, we'll share a highlight. There was a gift that went viral by this guy who's pretty hilarious on Twitter in the chess community. Um, uh, I forget his uh, Anton squared me or something. is his Twitter, but he, uh, he he tweeted this viral tweet that where he captured just this perfect moment where Hikaru blundered. So Hikaru like shoots back in his chair and is frowning and he's basically cursing if you're reading his lips, right? And Magnus like just went from lost to winning in one move. And so he's very calm and he takes a sip of his water and he's trying not to, but you know he, he can see Hikaru on camera and then he just starts cracking up to himself. <laughs> so like he's <laughs> and it's something you would never see over the board. Seriously, I think it had like almost three hundred retweets on Twitter. People just thought it was hilarious. Um so that's the format, and it's and it's a ton of cool. fun. The the games are fast, and and we'll we'll share. A li- In fact, you know, what I'm going to do. I'm going to share a link to that GIF so people okay. can see it. So. <laughs> Just the GIF. Open it up. So 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 since it's from chess.com, do 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 they earn points or is this like a non? So sanctioned it's, or how does that based, how does that even work in general? I guess. Well, the the rating system for over the board tournaments is not related to chess.com. It's FIDE, which is um, you know, it, the International yeah. Chess Federation. But we use our which own rating about, systems. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, we so they you know they gain points plus and minus for their for their ratings on chess.com, which are becoming more and more mm-hmm. important in a lot of the stuff we do. Uh, but basically, it's just for prize money. I mean, we put up enough money to oh. get these guys to play, and yeah, you know. They, uh, it's not, you know, big baller type money, but the, you know, it's 50 K to, you know, a prize fund, but it's also, you know, they play like what, six hours of blitz and the winner walks home with like, you know, can walk home with about 15 K of that 50 K. And it's like, you know, it's pretty easy money to play in your pajamas from home. And, um, <laughs> you know, so that, that's, it. they play for prize money. They play because that's it's cool. a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, we've had Magnus. I'll be tuning in. I'm excited. Everybody who's played, like, we don't pay appearance fees to these guys. When we first had Magnus Carlson playing, everybody is like, everyone just assumes, like, we must have, you know, given Magnus a bunch of money to play. Uh, like, yeah. no, like, Magnus plays because he knows it's fun and it's, and it's, and it's, um, a part of the future of chess. So, I mean, these guys are obviously playing for the money and just for the fun and the pride of it all. And it's, uh, you know, it's an epic deal. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's like, it's kind of fun when, even I go in to do something. I, I, I give a lot of sessions. I'm actually in Orlando right now giving some sessions. And 
uh, I always say like, I can give some sessions, but like have me on a panel, right? Because if I go on a panel as my third session or something like that, there's no prep, right? It's just me being an expert on what I'm doing. So like, so like these guys are like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, there's no prep. Like you're saying they can roll out of bed and do whatever, get a little bit dressed up. It's not like this huge thing. It's not like a huge commitment, which is kind of nice. And they can still have super fun. The fans will love it. You're, you're building your brand up even more and interacting in a way. And that, that's super cool. I'm going to be watching. I'm super excited. Cool. So. All right, here it goes. You ready for this? What do we got? Brand new, brand new. And by brand new, I mean third or fourth time we've done this. Mots (laughs) asks an international master. I have a, I have a, you know, so back in the day when I got started playing chess, I was pretty young and uh, we had in my high school, my not high school, but grade school, we had like a little chess club and we were playing back then. This is probably when I was eight, nine years old or so. And we watched a lot of videos and we, we learned a lot about Bobby Fischer, but I have forgotten a lot about Bobby Fischer, but it seemed like Bobby Fischer made chess to a, brought it to a whole other level. And I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about like, where did Bobby Fischer come from and what, what happened? Like what right. happened? Why, yeah, it's, why it's did Bobby Fischer of- matter and what happened? Right. It's the stuff of lore, right? It's urban legend. Yeah, the lore. Most people who aren't mm-hmm. in the chess community. Um, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, Bobby Fischer has been kind of back in the limelight recently because of this movie Pawn Sacrifice, which starred Tobey mm-hmm. Maguire, who played Bobby Fischer, um, who I didn't think was a very good cast at first because Fischer was a tall guy. He was about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, very imposing physically on the room. He had a ton of charisma. There's a lot of legends about Fischer sort of owning the room when he walked in. And as an American competing against all Soviets who had dominated the sport, it was really always kind of a key part to his to his sort of uh, to his character, he was very intimidating character. So I didn't really, I mean, you know, but because the the movie focused much more on the psychological, personal stuff, I think Toby Maguire did a great job. Um, but um, so it's a it's an interesting thing because Bobby Fischer is obviously I, I've told you there are two basically people there are two people that everybody even if you know nothing about chess that you know it's who is that even if you don't remember the names you remember who was that american who won against the russians again who you know and then they're like oh yeah bobby fisher and of course there's been the snl songs you know where is bobby fisher i don't know i don't know right there was that <laughs> famous uh famous snl skit with will ferrell and the the cheerleaders um so he's he's a stuff of legend. The other one is of course Kasparov, who even if people don't know his name, they say there was so there's the American who beat the Russians and then there's that Russian who who played the computer. What was that guy? There was the Russian who lost to the computer in the 90s and that was that was Kasparov. Um so those are the two names that people and Bobby Fischer because he disappeared. So Bobby Fischer was born in uh from New York. He was raised um just a few blocks from the Marshall Chess Club where he grew up. Huge Yankees fans. I'm gonna give you the quick Bobby Fischer synopsis. Was obviously and always in hindsight struggling from some sort of forms of mental illness, whether that was, you know, um really the level that they portrayed it in the pawn sacrifice movie to be like, you know, full schizophrenia. Um, or if it was if it was uh you know, other, other types of, you know, bipolar, um, behavior. Fisher was super obsessed with chess. And so a lot of those things weren't really highlighted because he spent a lot of time alone or in very, very small, quiet communities where he was just able to focus and do his thing as kind of a savant. And people didn't really realize, 
you know, maybe some of the other issues he had. Um, and so as he grew older, after he won the world championship in 1972, he beat Boris Spassky in Reykjavik, Iceland, um, and, and, and became the world champion and became this, this massive hero to the U.S., one because of the mm-hmm. Cold War. Um, he, he was on, you know, the Johnny Carson show. He was everywhere. And Bobby Fischer. Like a superstar. He's a superstar, right? I mean, he, he blew up. Um, he was on the cover of Time magazine. So so Fisher was this superstar, and, and it certainly gave birth to a massive chess renaissance in the U.S. where even now the generation, more than I guess a little bit the generation before me, but let's say about 20, 25 years before me, they all still say they started playing chess because of Bobby Fischer um, yeah, in the, in yeah. the 70s. Um, but then he disappeared, and, and what, what that means is he went to Hungary uh, initially, um, and, and part of the reason for that was he was traveling in Europe, so it wasn't always going to be like a full disappearance, but he was playing in Eastern Europe and, um, he eventually went to the, um, I don't, I don't even know if it's still Yugoslavia, but the former state of Yugoslavia while, while U- the U S was sort of at war with them. Um, and so he sort of like was on the, you know, like, Hey, like you can't go to go to a country you're at war with. It'd be like going to Cuba for a chess tournament at that time. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then while he was spending so much time in Europe traveling and playing, he was kind of black marked, hey, you can't come back to the U.S. until this is resolved. It probably oh. wouldn't have been a big deal. He was a star. But yeah, then yeah. then he spent years playing and, and doing things so that like basically he um, – well, I guess years playing is a small exaggeration. He, he was playing and, he, and he, ended up, he ended up not paying taxes on his prize money basically. So, uh, so now he's in trouble for tax evasion. Yep. And yep. – um, you know, during that time, this is all, I guess this is really not years. It's, you know, within a couple of years after the World Chess Championship, there's these few controversial issues. Um, he basically just disappears and, and never comes back to the U.S. Um, the What was learned over time is that he spent a lot of time in Budapest. Um, actually, um, there are, you know, rumors that he, he trained Peter Laco, who became um, a really eventually a World Championship candidate, um, played for the title in 2004 against Kromnik. Um, he lost that match, but there was, you know, he spent time in Budapest, um, and, and then eventually he was married to a Japanese woman. He spent time in Japan, um, until he, you know, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a Bobby Fisher like expert. There are literally guys that are like historians on Bobby Fisher, you know,'s life, right? Eventually he came back and, 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 and came back to Iceland and they had this rematch in 1992, 20 years later, there was this epic rematch between him and Spassky, um, which again, he didn't pay taxes on the prize money there. So again, that kind of added to his. He was he was basically Bobby Fisher, an enemy I hate of taxes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, he went to being a superhero to enemy of the state. I mean, that's just. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the official term was he was an enemy of the state and um, still laid low throughout Eastern Europe. Went to Japan, from what I understand, and eventually he. Um, he eventually died at the age of 64, by the way, which if you know chess, there are 64 squares on the chessboard. So kind of a kind of a funny uh, or auspicious or whatever uh, death. And uh, and he, he's actually buried in a cemetery in Reykjavik, Iceland. We have an awesome huh. video I'll share. I'll share a link to this video where Peter Dockers, um, who is basically the head journalist for Chess.com, really the world's greatest chess journalist, Peter Dockers, had an interview with Gary Kasparov at the grave of Bobby Fischer while it was oh, snowing wow. and epic. It was like snowing and just like it's sort of magical. It's like one of it's a, a really interesting video for those who like it. So um, so that's the quick synopsis of Fischer's life. I mean, now there's you know there's been there's the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer, which is really about Josh Waitzkin and all about who was going to be the next American great champion. Um, and then there's you know there's um, the movie most most recent. Recently, Pawn Sacrifice, and 
Um, I don't know that anybody's ever really nailed it yet in terms of Fisher's Fisher's life story. Pawn Sacrifice didn't do that well, honestly. I think it's because a lot of the critics said, which I agreed with, that they kind of played both. They tried to do like not too much chess for the chess guys, but then they screwed up some chess stuff in terms of like how they covered it. And then mm. they tried to do like all this psychology, which is a question of whether they really nailed the angle of who Fisher was off the chessboard. Uh, he did become a very paranoid person. He was he was outly he was loudly outspoken about his anti-Semitism beliefs. He was on the record for sort of applauding 9/11, which was terrible, claiming it was sort of a conspiracy and that the U.S. and so he you know he said some really bad things against the U.S. and and was known as being an anti-Semite, which um is like most anti-Semites. He was Jew. He was, he was a Jew. So it was always ironic. And, um, so anyway, just interesting stuff. He, he really, he really kind of jumped the shark there toward the end mentally. And which is unfortunate because he, he could have done so much more, right? It, it, he did yeah, so much yeah. and he could have done so much more, but Fisher is still like X's and O's wise. Many people say like maybe the greatest champion ever, one of, you know, just most, most ruthless epic chess player on the board, just, you know, so that's why he that's Bobby Fisher's life in a nutshell, according to Danny Wrench, apparently. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear, too, because I know when I when I learned a little bit about Bobby Fisher is was was that he won this huge championship, became this this hero, this all star was like he come back from a big war where we just won and every we're praising everyone. And then all all I was ever told was like, oh, he vanished. Right. He was he was gone. And I was like, oh, well, that's even mysterious. That sounds like what is this guy? Where does he go? And then he came back and then he vanished again. And that's all I really knew. So I'm going to go check out these. These movies and maybe do a recap. I'll watch both of them and, and give a give a rundown. I think of them because yeah, I remember when they came out, I was so interested. But I was like, they're gonna mess it up, right? It's like it's like when they do a video game movie or they do, right. you know, it's just, you're gonna mess it up, you know. And um, and I don't really care. I mean, people yeah. think that I think some chess players take that too seriously. I'm definitely yeah. on the other side of the fence of hey, chess players need to get over themselves, get over their ego, and like, look, it's not that big of a deal if there are any chess, any press is good press for chess, and yeah. is it that big of a deal if they screw up some X's and O's, whatever? Not really. Um, but well, when you have a weird balance of trying to think like you're on top of the chess, but you're not, it 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 did come across a little weird. Um, yeah. But anyway, I'd be curious to see what you think because you wouldn't really care that much about it. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't like, you wouldn't care that much. Yeah. Any publicity is good. Any movie is a good movie, right? If it's going right. to bring chess into the limelight, which is cool. Right. Dude, that's that's great. And I no longer have to read Wikipedia. So that, there you go. And it's cool right. to get the spin of of what you knew and, and kind of how people in the different generations learn about chess. And I think there's this new generation that uh, will still know a Bobby Fischer, but there's going to be this new generation of chess players where the Magnus, the the Kariakis, Kar- I'm going to say every chess player. I'm Kariakis. so terrible. That Kariakis. was awesome. Kariakis. Kar- I love it. Kariakis is know- playing a match on our site this week as the speeches championship. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Nakamura. They're going to know these names because of the evolution of where chess is going and right. the publicity that you're seeing. When you go to, ch- or you go to twitch.tv and the chess championships are on there like that is you're going to you're going to know who's playing and i think that's right. so cool of this generation and what technology is doing we've talked about how how technology is is changing a lot of industries but i think it's cool because it's going to bring so many people that only have a cell phone right and what are they watching on there they're going to they're going to boot up twitch and they're going to see magnus and they're going to see kariakin and and i'm right. going to say every name Look at you incorrect. you did it right i love that yeah just you're the greatest. So I, we would we would ask where Mats is off to next, but we know you're in Orlando. We know you're traveling, so probably time for some some good old CTAs, some calls to actions, as they say, to make sure everybody checks out the links in the show notes before they do anything else. And uh, um, 
Subscribe. Subscribe to Mots everywhere where Mots is found. Can we have like a map of you? Like where in the world is Motsy <laughs> San Diego kind of thing? Um, so let's do that. Maybe we can add that as a little like fun little show graphic. Um, That'd be fun. Seriously, like this has been a lot of fun. This is this was a fun episode. This is great. I love it. Yeah, check out the guillotine thing. That was so much fun. Uh, yeah, definitely give us some feedback at mer- or at uh, geez, uh, blunders.fm. You can find That's both of own, us you can on give Twitter. Your other, your, your other cast a shout out, Merge Conflict with Mots and Frank. Check out yeah. that one as well. But uh, if you if you're more techy, want to get into the development side of things, we just released some awesome new episodes this week. Uh, MergeConflict.fm, uh, awesome. which is super fun. And make sure if you know if you're subscribing and you you're you're a fellow chess player, coffee lover, share this with with your your other um, uh, other friends that are out there. Like, hey, I found this awesome podcast with the international ma- master uh, Danny Wrench, and then this this schmuck um, who <laughs> loves coffee. And uh, that's me. And uh, yeah, share it, you know, and like us, you know, if you leave us a review on iTunes, we would love you forever for using sure. Overcast, hit a star. You know, we it's the the best the best review that that you can give us, and the best feedback you can give us is sharing it with somebody and sharing the joy of of Coffee House Blunders. You know what? That was that was the right way to end it. A sultry, sultry, salty voice from uh, Mister Mott's call to action, and I think I think we'll be out. All right. I love you, buddy. Until next week. Love you too, man. Safe travels.